from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Hello, and thank you for listening to Roadshow, a Transport Topics podcast that brings you insights from the major industry events that are helping to shape the future of trucking. For the past year and a half, the coronavirus pandemic forced many conferences to shut down or go virtual. But this fall, the trade show circuit has been coming back to life, making it the perfect time for us to bring back our Roadshow podcast. In this episode, we're taking you to Nashville for ATA's 2021 Management Conference and Exhibition, where I spoke with industry experts about two key trends, the endless drive to increase the fuel efficiency of modern trucking equipment and the continuing expansion of in-cab technology. A bit later in the program, you'll hear my conversation with the co-founders of Isaac Instruments, a supplier of electronic logging devices and telematics systems for trucking companies. But we'll begin by sitting down with a product manager at Mack Trucks to discuss the latest efficiency gains in the Class 8 truck market. Let's play that interview now. We're here in Nashville for ATA's 2021 Management Conference and Exhibition, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Stu Rosoli, Highway Product Manager at Mack Trucks. Thanks for joining us, Stu. Thanks, Seth. Glad to be here. So I'd like to speak with you about the latest advances in fuel efficiency in the Class 8 truck market, You know, especially in light of all the greenhouse gas emission regulations we've seen over the years, uh, most recently in 2021. Uh, but when you look back over the last decade or so, just how far have we come as an industry in terms of fuel efficiency? For Mac ourselves, um, you know, coming out with the Anthem in, in 2018, really that was our first year of production, really having that took us to the next level um, where we really got competitive with everybody else out there. But yeah, as you're saying, I mean, there's a reason we did that and it's because everybody was trending that direction and and uh, to not be there and say you want to be in the highway side uh, was very important to us to be there. Uh, and I mean, everybody's just stepping it up year after year here. So no, it's amazing uh, how you know how far we've come uh, in terms of MPG uh, mileage that some of the fleets are getting these days with the uh, the latest uh, uh, models on highway models. And uh, here at MCNE, Mac is exhibiting an Anthem model with a fuel economy spec. It's the MP8HE Plus efficiency package. So it's really optimized for fuel savings. Uh, but just take us through the key elements of that uh, spec, you know, what, what's involved in it, and uh, you know, kind of just take us through the list. Right. The main, well, the main part is the HE engine. So the HE engine is the, uh, the ERT, or as you had said, turbo compound type setup so it's taking the waste gas and turning a second turbo and that actually lets the engine relax so that along with the M drive we're able to downspeed uh, the the truck enough that we're running at 1100 1050 rpm and that's huge fuel savings I mean you're relaxing the engine you're not working it as hard it's good for the engine um, and then with putting in, then the, the plus package, the plus part of it, is all the aerodynamics. So we throw all our aerodynamics at it, and that truck actually even has additional, where it has extended chassis fairings, uh, flow below, which are, like you were saying, everybody's making sure you have everything. When, when you talk with drivers, it's like, oh, no, I picked up a trailer and it doesn't have skirts on. That's a big deal now. People didn't even worry about that before. So, yeah, it's, uh, but, but this tractor in, in the booth is really set up at, you know, as far as we can, we can go with it uh, today. And then we now have the HE engine for 2021 actually is the next level where it's an additional 3% fuel economy. Uh, the, the wave pistons have been modified to even burn more cleanly. 
and uh, and there's some changes to the wastegate and things like that on the turbo. So uh, very efficient. And I'll talk to I'd like to speak with you just a little bit more about uh, the engine technology and uh, you know waste heat recovery as you mentioned. You know, it's long been discussed as you know one of the key strategies to meeting. You know the the greenhouse gas emission regulations. Um, you know moving forward as those uh, limits continue to become more and more stringent in the future. Uh, how much further can we go uh, from an engineering standpoint uh, with diesel engines uh, with waste heat recovery? Do you see additional uh, steps down the line uh, using that approach to to improving the? the efficiency of, of uh, modern diesel engines. Yeah, we can't really talk specifically about our future plans, but yeah, I, I definitely think, I think it gets harder and harder. We're at a point, but I think using that kind of technology on more and more engines, like it's, we only, we only actually have it in a couple different horsepowers and only on the 13 liter, you know, maybe you see it progressing and things like that, but, uh, and maybe, I, I don't know if it's viable on a vocational type setup, but that could be another thing. I mean, we're looking at everything at this point, so uh, hard to say where it'll go, but definitely have to keep improving. Sure. And uh, aerodynamics is another uh, area. You mentioned this earlier, but there's been you know so much uh, uh, movement, so much adoption of you know stuff not just on the trailer, but also the tractor now. Um, but just how much opportunity remains for further aerodynamics improvements in the future? I mean, are we reaching diminishing returns, or are you still finding ways, you know, more ways to, to further streamline tractor trailers? I think we're finding some of the aerodynamics we're doing, if we, like for trailer gap and things like that, some of the aerodynamic um, uh, fairings, let's say, that we put on aren't as needed as you bring the trailer closer. So if we can find ways to bring the trailer closer, and, and other things like that. There's always opportunities. You just got to do more and more testing and really tweak it and figure it out. Uh, and, and then the other question is, is it uh, um, you know, a fraction of a percentage or is it a half, per, you know, where do you go between 0 0.1, 0 0.5, or 1%? You want to get as much bang as you can out of it, so, yeah. Yeah, and of course, another huge factor for real world fuel economy is driver performance, you know, not just the vehicle itself, but how the driver operates it in the field. Uh, and that brings me to the M-Drive automated uh, manual transmission. So obviously it just depends on, you know, the driver. You know, a driver can be very efficient with a manual transmission, but on average, you know, fleets will often say that they get better fuel mileage with automated transmissions. Uh, but what are you seeing? You know, how much fuel on average can a fleet save on a fleet-wide basis on average, uh, with a, an automated transmission? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I, I would probably normally answer, if you have a manual transmission, you can have the best driver and he can do really well, but by the end of the day, he's not gonna be as consistent as he was in the beginning of the day when he's fresh. Um, so the, the automated manual gets you to that level. Then you have the drivers that aren't the really experienced and, and I don't know what kind of percentage we break that down to, but um, yeah, it's it's got to be huge, uh, especially when you're talking about a number of trucks. I mean, even a 10-truck 10, 10 fleet, it's got to be a big difference. And you know what? Truck drivers are driving better fuel economy-wise than they used to. Like, if you look on social media and just drivers talking about it, um, and they're trying to figure out how they can, you know, get the better fuel economy. So it's, it's really good. All comparing notes and finding ways to do a little exactly. bit better. And uh, in the vehicle technology, of course, it helps a lot. Uh, another aspect of, you know, automated manual, of course, is also is uh, just to make the, the job 
easier for the driver, you know, driver satisfaction, uh, driver fatigue, uh, safety. And, you know, we've been hearing so much this conference about, you know, driver workforce issues, and that's, you know, it's not a, a, a new story, but, you know, for as long as I've been covering the industry for, for more than 10 years now, you know, we've been hearing about driver recruiting, driver retention being such a struggle for, for trucking companies. And, you know, I get the sense that that, of course, is driving a lot of the, you know, the, the widespread adoption now of automated transmissions and trucking. Uh, but one, uh, where are you at now in terms of uh, M-Drive uh, adoption rates? And also, uh, you know, how much can automated transmissions uh, help that workforce issue that, you know, we're, so many companies are dealing with. Right. Well, for for the Anthem, we're we're in the high 90s. I think we were 97, 98 percent of the automated manuals, um, which really says a lot for uh, you know how well it's doing and and the, the acceptance. Uh, so uh, you know, just ergonomic wise, uh, from from using a clutch and a stick. Okay, you're going down the highway a long way. Maybe you're not as much, but especially you guys that are doing the pickup and delivery and and you know more more regional. Uh, it's huge. How many times a day do you shift? You know, hundreds of times, and uh, to to have that easier. And and the other thing we do is try and give a little bit of flexibility. So um, there's buttons on the on the uh, shift pad that you can you can hold a gear or you can hit it into a performance. We we now have a, a a mode switch that goes between. So it's Emax, the maximum fuel economy. Or, or econ, which is like a normal driving, or then there's a performance. So you can toggle it through those. If you put it in performance, I'm going up a hill, you know, I need to get a little bit of power, get up the hill. Um, and then I'm driving for a while and I forget to take it out, it'll automatically go back to the most fuel efficient setup just because it knows, okay, it can feel that you're not, you're not working the engine anymore and it'll adjust itself. So, I mean, so the driver's getting great fuel economy. He's, he's able to pull a hill. Um, you know, it make the drivers happy, as you were saying. You know, another uh, aspect of driver assistance uh, is uh, command steer, uh, which is a, a level of steering assistance now, uh, which is an interesting development in the in the industry. Uh, with uh, you know, again, some some torque assistance at the wheel uh, to to help with situations like crosswinds and uh, maybe some you know high bank embankments and. Things like that, and, and just make the you know driver's strain a little bit more manageable uh, over the course of a, a long day. But you know, talk to us a little bit about you know command steer and, and how it works and and how it can help to reduce that stress level for for the driver. Yeah, so 4,000 times per second, it's actually checking the torque. It's it it's a system built into the steering gear, the steering wheel, and the the truck ECU so that it's actually reading everything that's going on, vehicle speed, it feels all the bumps, it counters the bumps, uh, the tor torque-wise, so that, I mean, if, you're, if your right wheel goes off the shoulder and it's a low shoulder, you're not going to get pulled to the side. It actually holds the direction. It holds you straight going down the road. Um, you know, if you have a blowout, same thing. And uh, it's just, uh, it's fantastic. It's, it, when you get in the truck and you start it up and say you're going around a parking lot, you're going to deliver something, um, it drives so easy, one finger. And then once you get out on the highway, it tightens up so you get the regular road feel. It dampens it. Like if you go over a rumble strip, you're not, the cab will still shake, but your steering wheel won't. So you have control of the steering wheel. And that's, that's the key thing. And then a final question about uh, just fuel economy in general. Uh, from 
you know, the fleet customers that you speak with, both here at the show and, and elsewhere, you know, just how top of mind is fuel economy these days? I mean, is this, you know, where does it rank among, you know, the top uh, priorities that you hear, uh, especially for, you know, the on-highway segment? Well, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's first or second all the time. And, and drivers is always, driver and fuel are, are the thing. And, and uh, you know, it, we're in a time when you can save the fuel. So that's money right away in your pocket. So why wouldn't it be? And, and you're trying to make your drivers happy, keep your drivers. So maybe a little bit more money goes towards them and less towards fuel. So you got to keep your books balanced and that's all part of balancing things. And then uh, just a final question here, Stu. Uh, are there any other topics you've been hearing about you know, here at MC&E? Anything uh, that's been a you know, big topic of conversation as, as you speak to, to customers and, and others uh, here on the show floor? Well, we happen to have an APU in the booth, an electric APU. Right. So, so when people are coming in the booth, we're talking about that. So we're doing a factory installed uh, idle free uh, electric uh, APU. And, and the fact that it's so quiet, uh, it cools so well, and it's easy to maintain. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So it's just more of we. From a max standpoint, everybody's like, oh, you're a construction truck. No, we're a highway truck, too, and we really are seeking to be that. We want to be that, and we feel we are. So we need to keep adding things that the highway people use, and that's one of the things. And, and uh, you know, having the flow below all the aerodynamics, the HE engine. So um, as far as around the floor, you know, everybody's kind of, it's the fuel economy thing going on, just like you were talking about. That's what I'm hearing the most about. Well, thank you very much, Stu. You know, this has been a, a great conversation, but I think we've reached a, a good stopping point here. So I uh, just want to thank you again for joining us and, and sharing your insights. It's uh, been great to catch up. Thanks, Seth. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. Next on Roadshow, we sit down with Jacques de la Rochelier and Jean-Sebastien Bouchard, the co-founders of Isaac Instruments, to learn how the rollout of ELDs in the United States and now Canada has been reshaping the industry's technology market. Let's play that interview. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Of course. Now, for listeners who might not be familiar with your company, Isaac Instruments is a provider of electronic logging devices and telematics systems for trucking fleets. And ELDs, of course, are federally mandated in the United States and also in Canada now. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. But ELDs have also been a gateway to broader technology adoption in the industry beyond just e-logs. So I'm curious to hear from both of you how the ELD mandates in both countries have really changed the technology landscape in the trucking industry. So, I mean, of course, today, any like Class A truck needs to use an ELD. So a lot of carriers are, since we have electronic in the truck, why not try optimizing it and use the automation it can provide? Uh, when someone calls us and asks us if we can supply them with the ELD that's going to be certified in the U.S. or in Canada, 
the, the first answer is yes. Our counter is right away, what else can we help you with? Because there's a lot of automation. A device like ours can uh, help them improve their own operation with all the automation it can provide. And, you know, it can actually change the life of the driver in the truck. Yeah, so not just uh, e-log, but uh, once you have that technology platform in the vehicle, there's so much more you can do with it. And I'm curious how you see in-cab technology evolving in the years ahead. You know, of course, uh, where we are today versus where we might be five years from now. What do you think are the next steps? Well, when you look at the automation, I mean, there's a lot that can be done today. The question is always, how much more involvement does it, does it require from the driver? You always have to remember that the driver picked that job to be driving a truck, to be, you know, taking miles on that truck because he's paid by the mile. He wants to be driving. He doesn't want to be spending his time feeding a device with some information. Uh, they're not all very technology savvy. Some of them are. Most of them are not. So how simple can you keep it for the driver? I mean, that's what the future relies on. How much can I automate my op operation so I improve my bottom line? Still keeping it simple for the driver. So the simplicity for the driver is very important. The reliability of such a device as well is very important. And once you start building automation on a device like this, you will count for it to work all the time. So how do you make your technology in a fashion where you set it and forget it? You know, you don't want to have a big team managing those devices once they're out there. And because you need them to work all the time, if it keeps failing, you'll need the tremendous support from your inside team to manage those devices. As a trucking carrier, you want to be managing your trucking operations and the freight that you're managing and the, and the service you're giving to your own shippers and, and consignees. You don't want to be spending time managing those, you know, those devices that you installed in the truck. So for us, it goes together where it's, it's automation that, that needs to be super simple for the driver to use. But at the same time, it's automation that you will at some point rely on. So it needs to work all the time. So how do you combine this and come up with a solution that's easy to use and works all the time, that is super reliable and then provides an incredible uptime? And, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, fascinating that, you know, as long as I've been covering the industry, you know, I've been at Transport Topics for more than 10 years now, uh, it seems like one of the topics that always comes up is driver retention, driver hiring, all the workforce challenges. It's just so difficult for trucking companies to find enough professional drivers. And we don't always think of that as a technology issue, but of course technology can play into how productive a driver is and how satisfied they are with their current company. Uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on how technology can actually be part of the solution to uh, making the job more attractive and uh, helping to solve or at least mitigate the, the driver recruiting and driver retention issues that every trucking company is dealing with. And it's not just drivers, it's everybody. It's dispatchers, it's you know, the workshop we're missing, and it's not just the trucking industry. The labor shortage is worldwide now, and it's every industry. So it, it, it's simple uh, equation JS was, was pointing at is, you know, the less people you have, the more you need to automate. Systems have to talk to one another. We need to integrate systems so we obtain automation. Automation is done through you know, systems being connected with one another. So everything that people are doing should be relevant. You cannot ask the same question twice. You're just wasting time. Well, believe it or not, the, 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 the way to go you know, for years was to ask the drivers for the same trailer number 
over and over and over again during the same day. So you can't do that anymore. You have to automate that. So if you gave the trailer number to the driver in the morning, he or she does not have to answer the question anymore. So it's about integrating systems and, and making automation part of the solution of, uh, of the labor shortage. Driver, yep. No, never mind driver shortage. It's right. everybody shortage. Yes, it's yeah. across the many industries. Just and This morning I went to the convenience store and it was closed <laughs> because of a labor shortage. Right. Just, yeah, they said right. everybody quit. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's no convenience store. I mean, yet another example. So we uh, need a truck to get things there, but we still need people to... <laughs> That's right, and uh, making sure that we optimize the available time and uh, productivity of our workforce is even more important now. Now, I would like to circle back to uh, Canada's ELD mandate. I mentioned that earlier, uh, and of course, the the rule is in effect technically, but it's not. You know, there aren't penalties until next summer. Uh, you know, in part because until fairly recently, no devices were yet certified. Um, you know, and that was the case when the regulation went into effect. There were no devices that were certified with Transport Canada yet. And I think that most of our listeners are aware that, you know, in the U.S., ELDs are self-certified by the vendor, but it's different in Canada uh, where it, you do, do have to go through a process for a third-party certification. And it's more rigorous than, you know, what it takes to be listed on the FMCSA website, for example. Uh, but describe the process you went through at Isaac Instruments to achieve that certification and uh, you know, certify that you are 100% good to go for the, the Canada ELD mandate. Yeah, and, and FAFCSA uses, the language they use is self-registered, and that's the right one. You just you know, list yourself on that, you know, declaring that you are compliant, and that we ended up with a list of 600. Uh, Canada made it a bit more uh, stringent, more rigorous with having a third party uh, required to uh, to acknowledge for the compliance of the devices. Um, the challenge in the U.S., as you're pointing out, is that the carrier is responsible for the compliance of the product the carrier buys. So uh, Canada didn't want that. They said, well, you know, vendors or suppliers of telematics have got to be responsible for the devices, so they need to submit, and we will have a third party certify it, so we don't put the responsibility on the carrier. Uh, the process was really stringent, rigorous, uh, took a bit more time than expected. Uh, of course, Isaac being on that list now, um, you know, the largest on the list uh, to this day. So we have 25% market share in Canada and trucking. So uh, that, that solves the problem you know, quite for, for at least one truck out of four in Canada. Um, we expect other uh, major vendors to be on that list. Uh, as soon as possible. We hope it's going to happen as soon as, as possible, I say, for the industry. But uh, yeah, the process was meant for devices that were not automated. So it's a, it was, you know, the degree of difficulty for Isaac was the, the highest because we have so much in, uh, integration and automation. That's what drivers want. That's what they love. And we're very driver centric. So uh, it was a bigger challenge for us, we felt. Uh, but hey, managed to, uh, to tick all the boxes and get that done. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed.
you know, one important aspect of cross-border operations regarding ELDs I'd like to discuss here is just the importance of accounting for differences in the hours of service rules between the United States and Canada. Very similar, but there are differences, and it's certainly possible to be fully compliant in Canada across the border and go out of compliance. Uh, So talk us through how an ELD can help the driver manage that process and make sure that you stay in compliance as you deal with slight rule changes as you cross the the U.S.-Canada border. Yeah, so in terms of the driver, the driver can always see how many hours he's got each side of the border. What the system does is when he crosses from Canada to the U.S., it switches the regulation automatically, so we'll report to him the proper violations and the proper warning to prepare him to stop. But for a driver planning to change from one country to the other, he's all like he's always able to see how many hours he's going to have on the other side of the border so he can plan his stops, his rest breaks, whatever, like, accordingly. He sees both both sets of regs, he sees them live, and he can toggle between them to make sure that he's going to be in compliance and not need to park the second he just crosses on the other side, right? And that is important for any ELD uh, supplier to to help carriers with because that is a complexity and... uh, for any company that's that's doing cross-border work. And I'd like to talk a little bit more uh, about the company. Now, of course, uh, Isaac Instruments uh, started in Canada and has large market share to our, it, with our neighbors north of the border. Uh, but uh, you know, the company's been making a big push into the United States uh, recently. Uh, so talk, talk to us a little bit more about the company. Uh, why are you targeting the U.S. market and what opportunities do you see uh, here as well? Well, it's, uh, you know, we, we concentrated locally at the beginning, you know, growing organically, uh, 100% organically. And, uh, well, we felt that there's so much you can do in a market. I mean, we're not going to have 100% of a market at some point. Uh, we sort of, you know, in, in Quebec, we have 76% of the large carriers, so you're not going to reach 100%. Uh, you know, went, uh, went to the rest of Canada, and logic is... The U.S. is basically, it's North America. It's the same challenges, it's the same rules, it's the same competitive landscape for us. Uh, so, you know, trucking is trucking, it's the same story. Uh, labor shortage, the same. Uh, so, you know, there's not much of a big difference, in fact. Uh, but the investment that we recently made you know, to open uh, an office in Cleveland, Ohio, and you've probably seen the hires that uh, we've made from the space, so adding trucking DNA to the, to, to the team uh, from the, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, geography is, uh, is something that we wanted to do. And the U.S. market uh, for ELDs is pretty saturated. There are many different companies that are competing in this market. And in fact, when you go to the FMCSA list, there are hundreds of devices listed. Uh, not all of them are you know, big names, but there are many options certainly uh, available in the market. Uh, what does it take to stand out and uh, you know distinguish yourself and your, your product offering in such a, a saturated market? It's funny because as you're as you're bringing this up, I'm thinking, is it so competitive? I mean, there's a large number of of devices out there. Most of them are ELDs, and what we do is way beyond ELDs, and we don't see too many players doing that. So, is there a dozen oh, max? So it's not, you know, we're not going against 600 competitors. We're going against 12, 10. 
uh, in the space and uh, we feel we can do a better job at, at that. And again, going back to what JS was saying earlier, automation, automation, automation. We are driver-centric. These drivers, they have a tough job to, to, uh, to do. It's, you know, it's not an easy uh, everyday job for sure. So those who are in the truck, we think of, you know, in the most part, everything we do, the product is, is, is uh, towards the driver's job. Okay, and uh, one of the final questions here before I, I wrap up. Uh, maybe just take me back to the, the very beginning of the company or the co-founders of Isaac Instruments. Uh, what opportunity did you see when you decided to, to start this company, uh, which of course has been growing a lot in, in the years since? It started a long time ago. Uh, JS and I were quite younger. Uh, so that's the 20, it's going to be 22 years. Um, but uh, we started with motorsports, so race cars. It was a passion of mine. It was a hobby. Uh, and uh, you know, we... we we went into fleets uh, at some point, but we actually decided to go 100% dedicated to trucking in 2013. So got the product ready, launched the, uh, the platform we have now with, that was really ahead of time, a gateway and a recorder and a wireless tablet, rugged tablet that, you know, something that's becoming more common, we've been doing for seven years. So we have a, a, a lead on that in order to understand the, the requirements and the, the improvements you can bring to that. So we decided to go 100% trucking. Uh, one of the, reason why, uh, the reasons why we chose trucking is the passion that you find in trucking. Same passion you have in racing. Uh, other fleets, uh, it was a bit different in terms of the people you meet and, and the way the businesses run. So trucking, people are really engaged, committed to their business, and we want to contribute to that. So it's engaging for us. It's engaging for every teammate that we have. So uh, trucking was the uh, was standing out for us among the uh, nine verticals that we had back in 2013. So we decided to go 100% trucking, never looked back, and really happy about that. Yeah. And a final question I'll, I'll leave you on. You know, has there been any topics of conversation uh, or issues that you've been uh, hearing about a lot at this conference? Uh, anything that's uh, really stood out to you as you've had conversations with uh, attendees and uh, cu customers and potential customers while you're been on the show floor? You know, I think most carriers and ATRI, the Atri study just demonstrated demonstrated it again uh, this morning or yesterday when we set a panel. You know, many carriers are going to tell you, find me drivers, I'll put more truck on the road. I mean, that's the limitation. And, uh, the, you know, the concern of finding drivers, of retaining drivers is huge. Uh, this is one of the top concerns that we're hearing about. And we spoke a bit about like the driver retention earlier where, you know, the, the driver experience in the cab is important. And one maybe little nugget that we haven't talked about is, is the Isaac coach that we bring into the solution. The Isaac coach has been like, it comes from our telemetry days. It comes from the, our motorsports days. That's what we started. Like, that's what we started with in tracking, coaching drivers to go more fuel efficiently from point A to point B. And that resulted in the Isaac coach it's a real-time indicator for the driver to see how well he's performing with regards to fuel efficiency. We tell them how much pedal to use to counter the resistance that's you know, built up from uh, the load or the aerodynamics or, or, the, or the road that's in front of him. Is it a hill going up, going down? Uh, the front-facing wind or rear-facing wind? So it's all this that we put together and we tell the driver how to operate the truck to give him what we call the Isaac coach score. 
and that score will rank him amongst his peer no matter what kind of work he did today, no matter what load he hauled. It's just going to give him a fair score on what he controls. And to us, we see a lot of fleets using this to give bonus programs or give rewards back to drivers, pay them more. You know, some customers are t talking about like saving 4% across the board on uh, just using the Isaac coach. So how much more money does that give you to reward drivers that did it well? So for us, you know, that's going to help with driver retention as well. You know, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciated having both of you on. Uh, I think that's a good stopping point, so we'll leave it there. Uh, so thank you again, JS. Thank you, Jacques, for, for joining us and uh, uh, spending some time talking about uh, in-cab technology in the trucking industry. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, Seth. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. As you've heard during this episode, truck manufacturers and technology developers have not been sitting idly by over the past year and a half. ATA's management conference and exhibition in Nashville highlighted truck makers' continuing efforts to wring more and more fuel efficiency out of their vehicles. The event also reflected the growing role that technology plays in our industry, not only to comply with regulations, but also to improve driver productivity with workflow software and other tools to help them perform their essential jobs more effectively. Roadshow will be back soon to share more insights from future industry trade shows. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>